Hello there, welcome to Rome FM. Here we dive into the minds, workflows, and machinations of the Rome cult, the believers of Rome research. My name is Norman Cella, and I am on a mission to deconstruct wisdom from all walks of life so we can understand each other better. In this episode, we talk with Mike Schmitz, who is a productivity nerd, which he writes on his website, loves reading books, and enjoys making things. He is currently the executive editor at The Sweet Setup, the website where you can discover the best apps and workflows for your iPhone, Mac, and iPad, as well as co-host of the Focused, Bookworm, and Intentional Family Podcasts. His website, Faith-Based Productivity, talks about his intersections, the amazing tips, tricks, and principles of productivity, and his faith from his sermon sketch notes as well as his Bible study notes. Mike combines all of this in Rome. So in this episode, we talk about Mike's origin story, how he became a productivity coach from writing so much and combining it with faith, the impact of his sermon sketch notes as well as his quotes and passages from the Bible on his workflows and observations and his Rome workflow quite extensive with a number of queries and understandings with one interesting use of pooling emails as a to-do on Rome. We talked about the meaning of faith-based productivity and the true definition of hustle and the meaning of cult which can be quite an uncomfortable word to be used to describe loyal users of a tool. But Mike has some other thoughts concerning this, and I understand his point of view. So without further ado, let's dive into this wide-ranging chat with Mike Schmitz of Faith-Based Productivity. Mr. Mike Schmitz. Oh, and you wanted to clap in as well. <laughs> I've, been, I've been recording, so for, for editing's sake, I can make it easier for you if we count down and clap. Okay. Well, doesn't matter. I've already clapped it in anyway, and I can always just sync with the Zoom. So might as well, from that (laughs) minor misclap, Mr. Mike Schmitz, welcome to Rome FM. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. I've been listening to some of your past episodes, and uh, I feel like I am not as good at Rome as some of these people that you've had on your show so far, but I will do my best. (laughs) Oh, no, don't worry. Uh, I mean, we're not here to like try to compete with each other in terms of workflows or anything like that. It's really just a broad range of use cases. And Mm -hmm. I'm really curious about yours since (laughs) I've read a few of the articles that you've written about Rome. not only like some of the little videos that you do here and there on your own website, but also on Sweet Setup, which I will get into because I'm really, really curious about that. But before we get right into the nitty gritty of Mike Schmitz, the productivity coach based on faith-based productivity, there has to be <laughs> a dark times, which is what we normally call the times before we discovered Rome. I'm really curious about this, um, about your origin stories in your interest in productivity, how did you get into the world of productivity and from there stumble into the tool that is Rome Research? Oh, wow. Okay, so the short version, I guess, is that I was working for a family computer software business and just decided that I needed something a little bit different. Started writing and publishing to my personal blog did that like every day for two weeks, getting up at 5 a.m. before I went into the office. Within a couple of weeks, had a small body of work and then reached out to a, a site that I was reading at the time, Asian Efficiency. They had posted they were looking for to hire somebody. And I said, not interested in a job, but how about guest posting? 
He said, well, we don't really do that, but if you have anything, send it our way. So I sent them my blog, which I started two weeks earlier, and they got back to me and said, this is really good. We got a lot of the same mindsets, Mm. uh, read a lot of the same books, so we (coughs) want to give this a shot. That led to bigger projects, eventually a full-time position with them where I had been there for several years, had been part of the team that started the Productivity Show podcast over there. Uh, I had started to do some of my own stuff, the Focus podcast with David Sparks, the Bookworm podcast I do with Joe Bulig. And about a year and a half ago, uh, was let go from there and took a full-time position with The Sweet Setup. So that's my main gig right now. I'm executive uh, executive editor at The Sweet Setup where we play and test and recommend Apple hardware and software. As part of my job over there, you know, Rome Research came on my radar and a friend of mine was telling me about it. He showed it to me, did a great demo, and I was like, well, that's kind of cool, but honestly, you're the kind of guy who gets excited about every new app, and I'll see if this sticks. So months go by, he's still excited about it. I look at it again, and I'm just like, I, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> why do I want to <laughs> use this? Which is why I say I'm bad at Rome, because it took me a really long time. I yeah. watched a video by Thomas Frank and how he kind of used it to synthesize some book notes. I'm like, well, that's cool, but I got my own book notes workflow, and that's not really going to work for me. And so I'd seen a lot of demos, heard a lot about it, and was just kind of like, no, I don't want to use that. Yeah. And then I got this idea, because on top of all the regular stuff, I went back to Bible college and got a degree for funsies. So I have always kind of wanted to take all of the notes from my personal Bible study and create like a cross-reference library. And so like I take notes on the sermons that I hear and jot down a verse and then being able to connect those to other verses. Like if you have a physical Bible, for example, they'll have next to the verses another verse that pertains to it. And you can flip to that verse and kind of follow the chain of uh, the, the thought process there. Uh, so that's the analog version. And I was like, hmm, maybe I can do this in Rome. And that's the moment that it clicked for me. I had that, that project and I'm like, this is what I want to build. Will Rome let me build this? And obviously, yes, Rome let me build that. <laughs> and then from there, I've been kind of finding additional use cases for it. Uh, but I still feel like it takes me a really long time to get stuff uh, built inside of, of Rome. I feel like I'm still just kind of scratching the surface with it, but mm-hmm. am happy definitely with the uh, the things that I've been able to make it do so far. Yeah, so far. And it, it sounds like pretty interesting because it feels like you've only just found how it can fit into what you're doing once you find a need currently as in you try to do everything analog first or you've tried to do any, everything with or you've tried to work <laughs> on this idea with everything else you've had at the moment and then you're like okay well w- what about Rome and then you realized maybe like just how powerful it is uh, even if it is like you say scratching the surface I don't think like many people who are users of Room Research, they don't use every single feature or they don't use every single tool. Like the way that a yeah. lot of users I see, at least, is that there's a huge, like a pie chart and the majority of the users would just stick it to say, note-taking and to extent bi-directional linking, which is more than enough. Like it's already mind-blowing to do, for example, <laughs> cross-referencing or to do something else for whatever creation, uh, so whatever activity they're doing. But I'm I'm curious, are you only just going to stick to having Rome as a cross-reference library or are you exploring other like other tasks? No. Oh. Okay. I've, I've gotten more stuff into uh, to Rome and that's kind of the thing that got me into it. And then once I got into it, I realized there's a lot of value in having all of these things connected. Yeah. So Rome has some task management features, which 
I wrote off right away because I'm like, well, there's due dates. There's no start dates like a tool like OmniFocus, which I had been using for years. Uh, We are also, though, in the middle of a global pandemic. So I've been rethinking everything. And part of the 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 thing, one of the things that has really helped me regain some some uh, peace of mind regarding just the the general sense of overwhelm with everything going on has been to start using analog tools. So I have a fancy notebook that I write out my my five tasks for the day, time block my day. And uh, on the suite setup, I wrote about how like that was something that I was committing to. And at the same time, I was experimenting with Rome. So I've kind of landed on this thing where as I'm going through my day, everything that I think about and I capture goes in that notebook using one of my fancy pens. I've got a whole big fancy pen collection on my desk here too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then at the end of the day, everything, and this is kind of loosely based on the bullet journal system. Yeah. So the bullet journal system is kind of built on the idea. It's completely analog. It's in a notebook and it's built on this idea of intentional friction where you jot something down to capture it and then you have to transfer it somewhere else. And the act of transferring it somewhere else is less efficient, but that means you're more ruthless in cutting out the things you don't really want to do. When I was using a digital task manager, it was easy to just add things to OmniFocus, add things to OmniFocus, add things to OmniFocus. And then you have 3,000 tasks. And every time you go in there, you're like, oh, I'm so overwhelmed. Yeah. I'm so far behind. I don't want to touch it. Uh, same so, for me. Yeah. So I am, again, I'm not not at the point where I can say like, this is really clicking for me yet, but I'm starting to put all my tasks in Rome, starting to use queries to show like the ones that are unscheduled, the ones that are coming up. I really like being able to assign a date to something and have it show up at the bottom of my daily notes. So kind of my workflow at the moment for getting things done is to open up Rome. I have this uh, text expander snippet I use to expand like a bunch of sliders and use like the the daily questions from Marshall Goldsmith and triggers. And then uh, below that, you know, all the linked references, it'll show all the tasks that are, are due today. And uh, so I'll pull those, write them down in my notebook and then work off of that. Everything that I capture throughout the day then goes back to Rome at the end of the day. And uh, I really like the ability to tie, you know, the tasks, the articles that I'm writing, the sermon notes, all the book notes, like all of those things together being able to link them together is really powerful. Uh, I think just between the book notes and the sermon notes, like that's really the thing for me. Like I, I read a lot of productivity books and I get all these ideas and then I try to, uh, I try to map that up with the, uh, I'm, I'm a Christian, so it's all Bible based, but I map it up with the, my study of the scriptures and uh, that's kind of how faith-based productivity came to be is I saw a lot of like overlap there. Hmm. And so being able to connect those things is really important to me. And I see, you know, every day I see new ways to do that inside of Rome. Like building a CRM inside of Rome is something that I'm going to be playing with. And I like the idea of like having a task that you're waiting for somebody and then you, you can tag their specific record and have all of their information right there. That's super powerful. Yeah, referencing, especially when you have a CRM and you can assign that to either tasks and or projects or things you're working on and then have that context within, which is this context or this task has these relevant people involved, right? And you don't have to have it written actually in the task itself, but the fact that it's already referenced and you have these people to refer to later on, it's like a really powerful or it's like one of the more subtle uses of a linked reference since it helps you to focus and to know where to go next in case you need help from somebody else or who to refer to for uh, for later on. Uh, to backtrack right. a bit, 
I actually was going to ask about faith-based productivity because I don't want to make any guesses since it seems like you're going to uh, do a little bit of an overlap between productivity, either principles and or tips and tricks and methods with your faith, which is Christianity. And the studies that you've done with all the scriptures that you've um, that you've compiled into Rome. So as someone who, let's just say, not that attuned with the Christian faith, even though technically, technically I am, but let's just say I'm not that well uh, studious uh, in the Bible. Um, what are some of the overlaps? Because I'm going in with the massive assumption that they have no overlap, but I would love to be mm. proven wrong. And I would love to see like, is there really such a big barrier between productivity and faith? Sure. Well, this is a quite a can of worms to open, but <laughs> let's go for it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm ready for I, it. <laughs> I believe there's a ton of overlap. Kind of the thing. So, the reason I started writing in the first place, which got me connected with Asian deficiency, was I had gone to Bible college. I had this degree. I was actually teaching a personal management course, and I was doing personal study for that course. And kind of the thing that stood out to me was there's this passage in in Matthew chapter 25 where it talks about the parable of the talents. And basically, it's stewardship. And you can see from that passage that different people got given a certain amount of of money, basically. That And then the, the person that gives them the money goes away. He's like, here, take care of this for me. Uh, one person gets one talent, one person gets two, one person gets five. And that represents basically money in, in Bible times. Then he comes back and he's like, what did you guys do with what I gave you? And the person that got five doubled it. The person that got two doubled it. The person that got one went, hit it in a hole. And that's the guy who got in trouble. <laughs> Mike Schmidt's oh. version. <laughs> uh, but if you dig into it, you can see there's there's subtle differences in how they acted with the talents that they were given. So it says like the person who got five, he went and got to work immediately. He didn't put off until you know right before the guy got back to, to do something with it he he was intentional about it from the moment that it was entrusted to him and so i kind of believe that we're joining a story in progress here and the principle is that if you do a good job with what you've been given like more will be given to you and so the the principle the the math at the end of the story is that everything gets doubled so you combine that with like the compound effect, which is really popular in productivity circles. And it's really the heart of any sort of self-improvement is like you do these little things over and over and over again. And then the compound effect kicks in. If you start going to the gym every day, you know, the, for the first month or two, you see absolutely no change. And then it's like all of a sudden it just takes off as long as you are consistent with it. So I personally believe that God is serious about productivity and he's going to ask me when I get that when I get when I'm done <laughs> what did you do with, what did you do with what I gave you and I want to be able to say I did the very best I could with what you gave me and there's there's a lot more nuance to it you know it's not just working all the time it's not the hashtag hustle that you think about yeah uh, it's really about being intentional and being effective that's one of the things I've kind of landed on over the last several years is that efficiency has its place but it's really not that important. <laughs> uh, what's really important is doing the the right thing at the right time. Uh, if you can be effective, you know, efficiency is going to take care of itself. Uh, efficiency will help you do things, help you complete tasks uh, more quickly, but without any any thought to effectiveness and should I be doing this thing in the first place? It the 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 work is still going to grow to the time that you have allotted to it. 
So I see a lot of people who are like, yeah, efficiency, efficiency, and they, they want to crank through stuff and then they just fill it with more time wasters. And that's not, that's going to make you worse off actually, because now you've increased the efficiency. And as long as you keep cranking that dial, you know, you're bringing it tighter and tighter and then eventually something's going to break. Yeah. Or we burn out or we realize just how wrong we were. Even though we were so efficient, we were going in the wrong direction. It wasn't something that we were meant to prioritize. And uh, yeah, exactly. uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I, I have first firsthand experience of that. And I think I am regretting it a lot. Um, and it's great to know that you're able to see the connections, like even before, like even if Rome isn't even there, like to be able to see those connections between um, scriptures in Christianity and the principles behind productivity, you can still uncover that within these writings, which is fantastic. Like even if we have, you know, many different kinds of narratives, many different kinds of uh, stories that allow us to see ourselves put in the shoes of those characters within these moments. um, Mm -hmm. It helps us figure out like, okay, this is more important. Like, okay, just because you're, you can do it fast doesn't mean you're doing it right. Right. Like, and especially on the point of efficiency, not always having to be there all the time. Like rest is also one of the greatest productivity hacks ever. And exactly. in the world of <laughs> yeah, and in the world of hustle culture, and I see this a lot in Twitter, where a lot of Rome research people are on Twitter as well. Just some overlap with like tech Twitter or VC Twitter or whatever. Um, hustle culture is like everywhere. It's it's really bad. Yeah. Like it's actually extremely unhealthy to promote overwork as the norm. Yeah. Even though in the word itself, over work means work beyond the capability of your body. Like who ta- <laughs> who taught us that? It's insane. Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, well, I should I should clarify here because my book is actually called "Thou Shalt Hustle," <laughs> uh, but I have a different I have a different definition of the term, and I'm I know I'm not going to win back the word from the Gary V's of the world, but uh, <laughs> the the term hustle actually means to force to move hurriedly or unceremoniously in a specified direction. And I believe you can break that down into three, com- three components. There's the, the force, the work, and that's what everybody sees. That's what people think of when they think of hustle. And then there is the unceremoniously part, the hurriedly part. That doesn't mean you're working really fast or working all the time. It means that you've got a mission and you don't care if anybody's watching you because it's important to you. And then there's the vision, ultimately the destination that you want to arrive at. And uh, if you're going to uh, to hustle effectively, it's kind of like getting in the car and going on a trip. You've got to first, you got to work backwards. You got to start with the destination where you want to end up. Then you can figure out the route that you're going to take. And once you know where you're going and how you're going to get there, then you get in the car and you hit the gas. <laughs> ah, uh, but as okay. it pertains to Rome, uh, I want to actually talk a, a, about something that you you and Ali talked about in one of, one of your episodes about creativity. Uh, because uh, talking about the overlap and the intersection of things, this is kind of the thing for me is uh, I never really thought that I was creative either. And it was the the connection of the ideas that really convinced me that I could be. Uh, I read a book called Steal Like an Artist by Austin Kleon. Ah, uh, yes. And before that, I was like, well, I can't create anything original. I'm just not creative. I, I like to play guitar and I sing on the worship team at my church and I like to write songs and I would write a song and then I realized like I ripped off the melody line from this other song when I would hear it on the radio and I'm like, ah, oh, man, I can't create anything. <laughs> and then Austin, I read the Austin Cleon's book and he basically said that when you create something, really all you're doing is you're connecting the dots in a way that hasn't been done before. 
So all the dots pre-exist. All the dots are there. And when I read that, it was kind of like, okay, creativity is a formula now. I just got to collect more dots. That is where Rome is really valuable for me, I think, is it shows you how you can connect those dots. So I can read all these books and I can study my Bible and I can have all these experiences. And in one, one level, I am connecting those dots then. They're in my head. And that's for a long time been good enough for me. It's like, I'm collecting these dots and whatever comes out, then that's the natural output. So I don't have to judge this creation as good or bad anymore. It's just, these are the dots I collected. So this is the thing that I made. But Rome for the first time has given me a visual way to connect those dots. And seeing that is really powerful. And it just kind of reinforces what you were mentioning a little bit earlier about the connection and intersection of all these things. Because I think we tend to... we tend to think of things in buckets and even our lives in buckets. I've got, I'm, I'm this way, I'm this person over here when I'm wearing this hat and I'm this person or this way over here when I'm doing something else. And that's not really true. Like you just are who you are and you are the sum total of your experiences. And if you want to create a better future, I wholeheartedly believe that start collecting better dots, you know, start doing the right things today and the score will take care of itself because those things will connect and Rome is really cool because it allows me to jump between them and, and make those connections faster. Yeah, it's like an accelerator, really. Because yep. even without Rome's existence, if you if you had the right systems, if you had the right you know shift in thinking, if you had maybe the right definition of creativity or anything like that, you can collect dots, and you can sit down and focus and think, okay, how can I connect and marry A and B? and B and C and D and B and all of that. And Rome feels like a really good, I'm not sure what's the right word to describe here. Uh, And maybe you could help me out. Like Rome is like a really good interface or a screen to just throw all these dots in front of me and I can perform like creative surgery. It's like, let me get like an operation with all these dots. And you're like, okay, what happens if I try this, right? And I link them. What happens if I try this and I link them? What if I refer this block to here? What can I see? What will I visualize? Like, what are the possibilities? And uh, a lot of how Rome is sold, I'm still, I still disagree with a lot with with how Rome is depicted. And maybe we can the dive into that. The note taking part. That, that yes, the note, the note taking yeah. part. Right. It, it's it's way more than that. And and I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's because they are limited by the potential impression that they have due to how similar it looks to other current note-taking apps at the moment yeah that's why they write their copy like that i think that's why but <laughs> with more and more people like after seeing like the giant 200 million dollar valuation and all these people diving into the tool and they realize the possibilities like rome sells those possibilities those possible connections we're seeing a new genre pop up and they may have to change that that copy there uh i want to find more ways to show people that that surgery that that table uh yeah in a way where it's a lot easier for people to understand at first that on surface level yeah you take notes but on a deeper level yeah you're confronting all those dots in your head and you're making the connections and here we are so yeah so one of the big mistakes i see people make when they try rome is they try to use it as like an Evernote replacement, the way that they've always used Evernote, which is just send everything in there (laughs) and I'll be able to search for it and find it later. Yeah. And in my opinion, where Rome really shines is in, 
ideas, connecting ideas. So yes, notes on in one way, shape, or form are ideas, but you want a high signal-to-noise ratio in order for it to click. If you just have a bunch of things in there, it's harder, especially at the beginning, to make those connections. So I don't try to dump everything into Rome, and that's why the bullet journal, I feel, is like a natural complement to this because, yeah. yeah, you want to capture something when you think about it because you don't want any of those ideas to disappear on the paper, off the mind. But then just the fact that you captured it doesn't automatically mean that it should go in the bucket. (laughs) (laughs) So having another forced, uh, another tier of of cuts that are are made before something ends up in Rome, for me, that means that the stuff that's in there is kind of the the cream of the crop. And so that's the stuff that I want to see where the connections lie. But people don't realize that when they try the app, because traditionally... And I think you've done this before. Like you try other apps. You would first start yes, off with yes. like <laughs> notes that you've had before. And you're like, oh, you know, what happens if I just put it in there? Like we do that all the time. I mean, I've done that with um, with Google Docs or G Drive. And then I move it to Evernote and I move it to Notion. And then I move it to Rome. And every single step yeah. to transfer has always been copy paste, import it all there. And then, <laughs> and then see what happens. And I think it's because we have such a huge expectation on predefined structures that we think that it will organize itself once we just import it. Like we think that it'll work as soon as it comes in there. And then we meet, we, we, we go into Rome and we're like, Oh, Oh no. (laughs) Oh no. Help me. (laughs) Oh no. Because uh, I realize, uh, I realize that the behavior behind that for anyone, especially when someone comes from Evernote to Rome, like this most prevalent in, in that, in that format, there is, I'm, I'm not sure if it's expectation or there is the impression that the notes that they gain from their Evernote, it's only an archive and nothing more. Yeah. And by throwing it in Rome, they can squeeze more value out of it. Yeah, exactly. So like yeah. the archive is kind of like someday... If I get yeah. audited, yeah. I can yeah. find this if I need it. Yeah. But I'm Someday. not going to think yeah. about it until then. And <laughs> I've I've done that before where it's like, oh, I need this thing again and I can go back and find it. But I'm not going to stumble across that until I have the thought, oh, where is that thing? Yeah. And with Rome, I can say, okay, I want to study this thing. What are all the other things that I don't even know connect to this? And that's where bi-directional linking really really helps um so (laughs) i don't know you want me to kind of walk through a couple of the examples of how i how i built this because i think you're right like how you start the the types of things that you start building inside of rome you can't just transfer it from another app you got to think about structuring it a little bit differently yeah Um, Uh, yeah please walk it through me yeah i would love to hear yeah okay uh so what I've got for my my sermon notes, I've been taking sermon notes using sketch noting and good notes for a long time. And that was kind of the first project that I did in Rome is to transfer all of that stuff from good notes into Rome. So I have these sketch notes, I would export them as image files, I would upload them to a date page. So like the one I'm looking at right now. This is 9620. It's got my my sermon notes. I've got like the little nomenclature. So I, got, I draw like squares around the 
the verses. Um, do you want me to screen share so you can see this as I yeah, walk might as well it? screen share. Yeah, there, there's the possibility okay. we might like put up the video up. So I think this would be very helpful. Okay. Uh, can you enable attendee yep. screen sharing for me? Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> now I got to be careful what I. Yeah, please. What yeah. I show you. <laughs> please, please be careful. Uh, and uh, note for our audio listeners, um, I'm trying my best to limit the amount of video screen shares and all that, mainly because of privacy, if we are showing potentially roam graphs, etc. And now yeah. we are looking at Mike's graph. So you okay. can head over to the video version soon. <laughs> all right. Um, so I think this just might help you ask some better follow-up questions if you can see this. So yeah. this is... Uh, an image that I exported from GoodNotes and it's just uploaded using the slash command file upload. Yeah. Uh, I tag the person who preached the message. So Dr. James Willoughby is my pastor. What this allows me to do is open up all of the, oh, all of the, the references. So there's 39 different references here, yeah. uh, pages where he's, he's preached the message since I started tagging those. And then, uh, my goal at the end of the year is to take all of those ones that are, tagged and uh create like a a book that i can give to him like these are the messages that you preached oh that's amazing uh but the the sketch notes themselves uh it's basically just like block letters for things that are important and then blocks around the scripture references then i've got a header here with the scriptures and all of the chapters are linked this is from a, a king james version import that i found so this is a public roam graph basically that i imported into my own and what this allows me to do then is take any of these verses and uh, I'll click on one of these. All right. So this is Proverbs 18. Here's all the different verses and then the, the links to the, uh, the references for the other, other places that that is, uh, is referenced. Yeah. Uh, and this one in particular, there's not a whole lot of references, but what I've found is uh, I've been building this out is that there's more and more of these connections being made. So you can kind of like follow these graph wise then and, and uh, you've got, you know, this message on this day where this verse was used. And then what are the other messages from other days where that verse was used? And you can kind of see the different themes uh, that have been connected that way. So that's the the sermon notes. And if I go to the sermon notes page, I mean, this is everything that's that's in there. So that took a really long time, all the way back to September of 2017. Uh, and I took all of those sketch notes and, and put them in here. But I didn't start the sketch notes, obviously, with the goal of someday being able to connect these. Yeah. I just wanted to retain more from the sermons that I was listening to. Interesting. So a lot of so that that means that if you have kept a log of every sermon or passage that has been brought up in each sermon, you can potentially do a query of most mentioned passages or like most you could. used ones. Okay, interesting. And uh, is it is it safe to assume that the sermon itself, like the yeah, this image, is it mm -hmm. a summary of the entirety of the sermon, or is it the most powerful or the most impactful passages that were brought up during that time? It's the most impactful stuff. It's not everything that okay. was said, and that's one of the reasons that I started taking sketch notes. Mm. I read a study in my study of productivity, uh, I think it was the Oppenheimer study, that where they compared retention from students who took notes using a keyboard versus retention from students who took notes using pen and paper. What they found is that the students who took notes with a keyboard 
they captured everything, but they couldn't remember anything. (laughs) (laughs) So I did that. You know, I was capturing all these notes. I was never going back to read them. And I couldn't remember what my pastor preached on last Sunday. So I'm like, okay, if pen and paper forces me to slow down and retain this, sketch notes probably is that to the nth degree. <laughs> and since then, I've been able to to meet and uh, interview Mike Rohde, the, the sketch note guy. He actually lives in Wisconsin where I live. So I've actually met him in person. He's a really cool guy. Mm. Uh, but he really is the the person who inspired me to start doing this. And if you go back and look at my first sketch notes, they're terrible. It was like a stick figure and a bunch of words. So you can look at this maybe and people will say, oh, that looks really good. I still don't think it's that good if you compare it to other sketch notes. But uh, I'm much, much better than I was when I started. <laughs> and really, the idea is that these are ideas. Yeah. It's not art. You're not trying to create a work of art to sell somewhere. You're just trying to retain the information. So that allows me, gives me permission to let go of the the value judgment of the uh, the the note itself. Yeah, you, you draw to remember and you draw to learn, not to impress anybody with your amazing artistic skills. And I mean, actually, this is pretty good. I mean, got to say, I, I mean, I like the treasure Thank box. You. That's I mean, pretty good. <laughs> and I'm really curious now about this, this thing that you're going to do at the end of the, at the year, because assuming that it's a large sketchpad collection of yep. these most impactful sermons or passages done by your pastor from you, that would mean that you are showing him the exact words that have impacted you the most. And I find yes. that very fascinating. Like not even yeah, so like this is yeah. This is the list of the the sermons, you know, the from his his page. I don't have anything else on his page other than just being able to link it to him. Yeah. Uh, but one of the things that I discovered when I started doing those little brief videos on my website of walking through my sermon notes, that was something that I was encouraged to do by uh, another person that I, I turned on to Rome, actually, uh, Bodie Quirk. He's a pastor out in California that I met at the Max.com conference. And he's like, dude, these are great. You got to like create little videos and walk us through your thought process. Hmm. And I'm like, no one's going to be interested in that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and I did one. And not only were people interested in it, but I got a text message from my pastor because he saw it and he said, no, this is really cool. Sometimes as a pastor, you're preaching this message and you're not sure if anybody's getting anything. So it's encouraging to me to see what you got from the message. Like, okay, well, that's enough. Then I'm just going to keep doing this (laughs) regardless if anybody else watches it or not. Uh, Because I thought maybe, you know, people would like the style, you know, one time, but then they wouldn't come back and and keep looking at it. But yeah, people are are digging them. So, you know, I just record a quick video, post it to my website. You can download the sketchnote file from there. Uh, But I never really intended it for anybody else. It was just for me. And really, it was just being able to connect all these things this way. Now, that's the sermon notes side, but there's also the the book notes side. Yeah, yeah which I think this is probably more applicable to the people who listen to the show, but uh, this is where I, these things are eventually going to get connected. And I am still like, why well, I say I'm bad at Rome. Like I just sit and I think about these things and I try to figure out the best way to do it. And I don't just do it, you know, and iterate on it. But I have, uh, as part of this bookworm podcast that I do with Joe Bielik, we read a book every two weeks. Hmm. So, I have created a page for every single episode of Bookworm that we've done. Uh, Let's just look at Bookworm 94. Okay, so this is uh, the page for the episode. 
I've got the book that we covered, which in this case was Tiny Habits by BJ Fogg. When that episode was published, uh, we give these books a rating. Uh, so I have my rating. I have who picked it because we alternate picking the books. I went into Libsyn where the podcast is hosted, grabbed the file. And so I can actually listen to the all of the episode audio <laughs> these pages if I want to. Uh, there's a link to the episode on the bookroom.fm page and then all of the links from the um, from the show notes. But I read these books for this podcast. So if I click on Tiny Habits, this is the book notes page. And this is also where I maybe do something a little bit interesting. Um, I don't read Kindle books. I read physical books. I have a bookshelf right over here with all the books that I own. And uh, I will read a physical book and take notes in a mind map using MindNote on my iPhone. Oh, so I will. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. I can zoom in here a little bit. Uh, Rome doesn't do great with PDF embeds, but hopefully you can. I think you see can uh, uh, change the sizing. Actually, there's a way to do it. I think, but yeah. Let's see. Can I? Oh, there we go. Yeah. yeah. Well. I'm limited to the the size of the con- the width of the container. Yeah, but, width of the container. <laughs> um, I've got the uh, the book image in the middle, and then every section chapter has its own section. So, like, I've got the images here from the graphs and things that are in the book. I capture those with the camera. Um, I've got my own emoji system here for the uh, the notes that I take. So, like, light bulbs; those are kind of like aha moments. Yeah, keys; those are like big ideas. I uh, will track action items in here. Let's see. I'm trying to find some other emoji examples. Those are the big, the big ones. Um, if there's talking points, like because this is for bookworm, I'll put like a little talking head emoji. If there's quotes, I'll have a little quote bubble. And then, uh, so I have this mind node file. Um, and then I basically copy all of this and paste it in the notes below this. So I export that as as text, and now I've got you know all oh the, wow the notes. Here. It's formatted for Rome. It seems like it, like it fits well, really well. It, the mind map is basically OPML. Yeah. So it's an out it's an outline, and when you export it from MindNote as plain text, it's literally just Command A to copy, Command V to paste, and this is what you get. So it's a, it's duplicating the notes. Now yeah. the next step of this is to go through all these book notes and to synthesize them and kind of condense them. Uh, I like the way that James Clear has on his website like three-sentence summaries of books, so I want to be able to do that. I also want to be able to take like key ideas here and build them into, I've got like thoughts on pages, which are not very well developed, so I won't go into those yet. <laughs> uh, but that uh, that's the idea, is that eventually I'm going to have all of those uh pulling in all of the, the big ideas from all the books that I've read. So right now I've got all these dots in Rome, but they're not, they're not connected yet. No, but you're preparing the base for it, which is pretty fascinating because I can start, I, I can really imagine you having this on the sidebar. And then when you have either an article or an idea that you want to develop over time, ref, like block ref it over, uh, in and then see what happens and or have phrases and words as a page and then just see all the unlinked references just see what magic comes out of it because we can already we can already do yep. this two ways like one is to know which books to remix and then you put the refs together and the second one is to go exploratory by like just like figuring out from unlinked references oh, this is this is yep. interesting i really like that 
because I, I know because it, it's not done i, I really like that because mm-hmm. it's like you're preparing it's a work in progress yeah there's like this like this one day where you're gonna be like sitting down and you're like okay what what are we gonna see uh come out of this like this book and another book oh i'm excited i really want to see this happen <laughs> I also take the quotes because I was keeping a quote book inside of day one, but I decided Rome would be the better place for that. So I have a quote book, which is uh, literally a query. Let me see if I can select that here. Yeah, so here's the query. Uh, All it's doing is pulling in the, uh, the tag for quote book, but when I write down a quote from a book in those book pages, I will use that quote book tag and then it'll pull it in here and it'll pull it in by author. Cause actually the, the quotes are on the author pages. If I open up like the Neil Pasricha one, for example, oh, you know, this is the not Neil Pasricha page. Hmm. So it's got the, uh, the, the quote book <coughs> hashtag and then a link uh, or page link to the, the book that it, it came from. Ah, oh, not the other way around. Uh, That's interesting. Okay. And just by doing that, you know, this is what I see is the the quote book and then it's all broken down by author. I like the way that this this looks. Mm. And uh, yeah, so this is uh, uh, 278 results. I've been collecting quotes for a while, but <laughs> uh, I like being able to, you know, just add those to the person who said it, you know, add it to their page and then have it be pulled into this quote book page automatically using the queries. Have you started using these quotes for something else? Not really, but every once in a while when I am writing an article and I've got a topic like habits or whatever, you know, I'll go look through the quotes that I've collected on those specific topics. I don't have them tagged. I usually just do a, a search on the on the page to see if I can find anything. Mm. Um, so like a command F, like a web browser. Uh, ah, okay. okay. Search on, on that, like actual that control page. F. Not, okay, I see. Yeah, not using the the search in the in, in Rome itself. Okay. Uh, I feel like that would be that would that would return more results than I'm I'm looking for. Um, But yeah, again, there's there's more ways that I can build this out, you know, having the the tags for the different different themes and things. Uh, And I will do that at some point. You know, that that is a down the road addition to the system, because that I think is the thing that links it to the sermon note stuff, because the Bible talks about habits. The Bible talks about productivity and all the other topics so when i start going through there and adding those tags there too then that allows me to connect things a little bit more strongly oh i'm excited to see that happen because i (laughs) never would have been able to make those connections like it's not even about like it's not even about having those dots in the first place because maybe i could have the book notes maybe i've been reading the same like similar notes maybe i've read the bible Technically, I have ages ago, and I forgot most of it. I'm really sorry uh, for all of our uh, Christian-based uh, <laughs> listeners. Uh, I apologize. But uh, I never would have thought to want to make those connections. And now that I'm seeing your graph, and for our listeners, we are still screen sharing. Now that I'm seeing your graph, I'm really curious about the output, like the book notes <laughs> and the yeah. quote book and the, and the sermon notes and the resultant unique flavor that comes out of this graph specifically so i I really want to see this happen okay (laughs) i i i don't think i actually disagree with you saying that you're not that much of a rome user i think this is already pretty well done like well 
thank you, but I feel like it's it's uh, very roughly implemented. It's got a lot of rough edges yet. <laughs> and if I was, I feel like if I considered myself a better Rome user, I would be able to fix the rough edges more quickly. Uh, this stuff just kind of sits like it is because, like I mentioned before, I tend to think about things and how do I really want to do this as opposed to just trying to make it a little bit better, which I know is the systems approach. Yeah. The right approach, probably. <laughs> but, but yeah. You are on the way there. And like we said before, I mean, efficiency doesn't have to belong everywhere. So yep. with the right intentions, and I can see it, like I can literally visualize these intentions so you know you are uh well on the way there there are a lot of other members uh of users of rome research who, who don't even use queries or who are extremely page heavy i'm starting to see yeah. that there are different levels of usage or efficiency where people would explore usages of rome and then they will be very page heavy and then they realize just how slow that would be and then yeah. they'll realize how powerful page like blocks would be rather. Yep. And then pair that with queries. And all of a sudden you have this unique blend of who you are in Rome format. And right now sure. I'm seeing quite a vulnerable version of you through this graph <laughs> because these are, you know, the notes that you've been picking up from for years now, especially with like, what, three to four years of uh, sermon images which is pretty fantastic uh, i like this so much yeah actually <laughs> on that topic i should i should clarify this on the sermon notes pages yeah um, because you mentioned something about embeds and that's that's important so these uh scriptures i'm linking to the pages themselves which are all the chapters and then colon the verse uh, on those pages i am using a block embed for the actual verse Okay. And that's the thing that allows me to see all the references when I do go to a page like James 3 here. So here's all of the the references. I can I can see those because I'm using the block embeds. I'm not pasting in text for those verses all the time. I also don't have pages for all these individual verses. I just use the the block embeds because I think that's keeps my my database a little bit cleaner. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I would also advise like for that like rather like just it's just cleaner a lot cleaner i don't think you'd want to have a page yep. for every single one of these like that's saying that oh, how many blocks okay we're looking at so we're currently looking at james three and there's like three five 15 20 yeah, there's 18 tw- right here 18 yeah. 18 blocks i don't want to see like i don't <laughs> think you'd want to see 18 separate pages uh just to describe like one section uh, of the book oh okay and that was wow. the thing that got me into rome from obsidian Mm. Uh, I really liked Obsidian. I like the idea of being able to, your whole database is just text files on your computer. But it doesn't do block references. Yeah. So deal breaker. I'm not going to create a text file for every single verse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the um, there's been a huge, shall we say, note-taking war of so many uh, network thought tools talking about differences between obsidian and rome and everything and they would say oh they all they all can do bi-directional referencing oh what's the what's the difference right like oh notion's been doing it too and uh, what's what's different about rome this is gonna be left behind it's it's not about that it's not about the bi-directional linking it's about the blocks like those are the most powerful features in rome 
It's just that bi-directional linking accelerates our usage of blocks. Therefore, we can see it yep. remixed with everything else. Um, I I do wish Rome allowed you to to have text local text files hmm. as part of your your graph. I do think there's some power to that. Uh, like I have an articles section here, which is articles that I am going to be writing for uh, the sweet setup. Actually, this one is is done now. Yeah. Um, and these have links to uh, Ulysses Sheets. So you pop oh, that. Okay. So this is a Ulysses colon slash slash x callback URL. It will open that specific sheet inside of Ulysses, which is where I prefer to write because Ulysses can publish directly to WordPress. Yeah. If these were text files, then I could open them theoretically in any application, even on an iOS device, just store them in Dropbox or something, and then publish them wherever. Oh. That would be my ideal workflow here, but this isn't this isn't too bad. Uh, these links, this is really cool. I, I love these. <laughs> uh, I created, so one of the things, um, that I have been thinking about lately is like email yeah. and all of the tasks that come in to your email inbox. And what do you do with those? Uh, most people probably just leave them in their email inbox. I don't like that. I used to send those to OmniFocus and I like that cause it gives you in the notes, the link back to the original message. So your task manager can tell you, hey, you should be doing this now. You click on that link and it takes you directly to that message. You reply, then you go close out the task. I actually, uh, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nerd. I, I figured out a way to do this using Apple Script. I use MailMate on my Mac. Yeah. Um, and it has basic Apple Script support. So what I do, I have a, a keyboard maestro macro, which will pull the url of the the message so the message you are message colon slash slash so when i click on that it'll take me directly to the message uh i use uh, another key or another apple script so part of the same keyboard maestro macro to pull in the subject line and then um it runs a regular expression on that to remove the extra line breaks and formats it as a markdown formatted link so what ends up getting pasted inside a rome inside of a to-do <laughs> is the subject line that you click on and it takes you right to the original message. <laughs> You've converted the email into row markdown format? Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not sharing my email. So let me see if I can grab this. Um, let's see. You sent me one earlier. So let's see if we can find that message whoa right. what and so i've got a i've got a hotkey here so i've got uh, basically shift control option command r for rome and that will copy things let's go back to our daily notes and see what happens if i paste this in here mm. see if it worked yep so there's that's what it looks like uh and then that's what it ends up being <laughs> oh my goodness okay so for so our listeners that i can mark as completed it's got a tag of email so i can use it in a query to find all my email tasks and it's got the link to the original message which opens it in mailmate oh my goodness <laughs> that's insane <laughs> that's amazing okay so for our listeners right i i sent an email just to confirm that we're having this call and he has mike has a macro to pull the subject line with a direct link to the email, turn that block into a to-do with a hashtag for email, immediately copied into Rome, 
That oh <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. For a lot of people who who do a lot of their task management in Rome, I think that's 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 amazing. Wow, I would love to see that in action. I'm not sure if I can even do that myself because I'm I'm on Windows, so I don't think I can. But maybe I can emulate something similar with a different text expanding software uh, on Windows. But wow, I think a lot of people want to have that because you know when you live with life in emails, <laughs> you really want to be really efficient. And I'm all about efficiency yeah. in email, like high touch, get in, get out. Uh, quickly process it and write away. So, wow! Thank you for that. That's actually an insane demonstration. Yeah, so <laughs> the way the way Mailmate and a lot of email clients actually like third party email clients for Mac and iOS, uh, they will have these actions where you can just open up, you know, OmniFocus Quick Entry from the Mail application. So from Mailmate, I can use a keyboard shortcut built into Mailmate to open up OmniFocus, grab the subject line, paste the link, even paste the contents of the message if I really wanted to. So I've been doing that, and I was like, I really want to be able to do that in Rome. Can I do that in Rome? And it <laughs> took a while, but eventually I got there because of those message URL links um, and because of the way Mailmate works where you can grab different tokens for different things. I think you can do this in like the default Apple Mail app too. Uh, that's where originally where I got the inspiration is David Sparks, my co-host of the Focus Podcast. He has been using this thing where he types like e-link, and then he's got a whole post about it on his blog. It'll, it'll grab in Apple Mail the the URL of the the message. But I wanted to apply a little bit of extra room sauce to that by converting it into a task, having the subject line there instead of just the URL, so I knew what it was. Applying the hashtag so I can use it in queries. And uh, that, I feel, is like one of my biggest Rome achievements to date. <laughs> That's an amazing achievement. Wow. I, I can't believe you still called yourself not much of a Rome user because that to be able to add Apple scripts to pull in your emails. Oh, wow. Because I feel like <laughs> even just like a template of that or maybe a variation of that can be used for other things as well, like maybe beyond email. I, I can't think of any right. right now, but the possibilities of pulling, you know, like third-party information, immediately format it into Rome and then turning it into a task for us to process as soon as possible would really work well for those who uh, would who would work really well in the context of Rome. Like if they choose to work within the environment of Rome, it works really well for them. So, wow, I mean, yeah. I think a lot of people want to so, look out for this. <laughs> the other thing that I'll mention here, um, I've got the daily questions here. I paste yeah. this in at the beginning of the day, but let me just get rid of this to show you how this works. Sure. Uh, there is, in my opinion, one of the things that's really powerful about Rome is the fact that everything is plain text. And that means that if you use any sort of text expansion software, so I personally use Text Expander and love it, but there are other options available for both Mac and PC. Uh, that basically gives you the ability to create templates for anything mm -hmm. inside of Rome. And the way I use this most is for these daily questions, which I mentioned I picked up from reading Marshall Trigger or Marshall Goldsmith, uh, the Trigger's book. And the idea behind this is it's kind of like a end of the day sort of reflection journaling template, which I've been doing journaling for quite a while. Um, but I didn't like going in and writing, especially if I like had not done something. It was kind of disappointing to yeah. be like, yeah, I, I sucked at this. So the whole idea behind the daily questions is it's a zero to 10. Did I do my best to do something? Did I put in any sort of effort for this? 
and then you can create your own categories, obviously. Marshall Goldsmith mentions in the book how he uses it inside of an Excel spreadsheet. And I was like, no way I want to do that. Is there a better interface for that inside of Roam? There is, the sliders. The sliders from 0 to 10. So I have a text expander snippet, which is just XDQ, pulls in the date, fills out the forms, and then there's the sliders. I've done a little bit of custom CSS to like hide the the face that appears underneath. Um, but basically, as I'm going throughout my day, then I will adjust these. So if I go for a run, you know, after this, I'll bump this slider up to, to nine. Uh, if I record a podcast, I'll bump this one up, you know, and it's just an arbitrary number from zero to 10. But I feel like this is a great interface for allowing me to quickly just jot these things down. And then I collect all these under the daily questions page using the backlinks, like pull them all in there. And then I can review all of these hmm. uh, periodically. Uh, do you revisit this throughout the day? So like, does this number change like maybe in the morning and afternoon and night, or is it just only one time at the end of the day? Basically, if I, as I'm going through my day, okay. uh, if I do something they're like, ah, that moved the needle for that specific area, then I'll go in here and I will bump this up. But otherwise, I will make sure that I fill this out as part of my work shutdown routine, which was another thing. I didn't like mm. using my phone right before bed to jot a bunch of things down, especially when I'm tired and I don't really want to elaborate on anything really that happened during the day. I just want to I want to shut down. Yeah. Uh, so by building this into my work day, I feel like it helps me to to disconnect more when I'm, when I'm done and I'm walking away from the computer. So I'm recording this in my office, which is in our basement. But at the end of the day, I will leave the computer and everything else down here. I won't come down here again to, to work. At least that's the, the plan. <laughs> yeah. Occasionally that doesn't work, but generally it does. No, it sets the intention for, we are now offline, which is great. Like yep. it's fantastic. Exactly. And, and you don't have to disappoint yourself by having such a grand end of the day journaling reviewing system which i can see like often or in, like it's quite common in many other systems where it's like you know a whole list of like 20 questions to review the day yep. and it goes from like oh what did you do today to what is life you know it's insane like sometimes you just want to <laughs> like these questions they only serve at least to me i'm not might be different for you but to me they only serve one purpose and that is to prime you into the context of self-reflection. And it doesn't yep. matter how long it has it is, and it doesn't matter how complicated it has to be. So I, I like it that you did it out of like some sliders out of 10. It's so simple. Like I can just look at this and yeah. be like, oh, you know, I can tell that Mike had a good day. Most of his numbers are at <laughs> nines, right? Like that's so cool, right? And, you know, if I look back in like, I don't know, five days ago and you were at did I do my best to exercise at two? I'd ask you like, what's wrong? Right. What, what happened? Right. Yep. Like, did you eat too many donuts? Like, it could be something like that. Right. Oh, okay. Exactly. And you can define your own categories, but really the thing that's beautiful about this is the UI for the sliders is just curly brackets, curly brackets, slider. <laughs> that's all it is. And I love how there's so many things inside of Rome that are like that, like the articles uh, page I showed you earlier, that's got like a Kanban view. And yep. that's, a text-based Kanban view, like it formats it all and you can get into the CSS and you can customize it exactly the way that you want. Uh, 
I have done a lot with CSS in Rome uh, up until yesterday. Actually, this was not the theme that I was using, but mm-hmm. they added some additions and upgrades, honestly, to the the sidebar. And it broke a bunch of my CSS. Oh, okay. <laughs> so oh. I just had to use something more more vanilla. This is just kind of like a, an inversion of the the normal Rome theme, but lesson learned. You know, if you're gonna <laughs> make a whole bunch of customizations, be ready for for the team to break it <laughs> when they're working on the app. Yeah, uh, it was a kind of kind of unfortunate timing because it also happened to a lot of other themes as well. That like even even some of the toolkit stuff and like some of the shortcuts that. It overlaps, yep. so you see like sidebars opening at the same time, or some don't even work, uh, and yep. or CSS had to be changed. So a lot of the, uh, a lot of the theme, a lot of the ones who did their themes, they had to like update theirs a lot. So we were seeing a lot of that. Okay, okay. I, I was curious. I was gonna ask like, oh, is this your own like custom theme? Uh, I guess it's just a really quick recolor it's, or something like that. Yeah, it's. Uh, let me see. Let me pull up Rome CSS here. It's a standard one, which is fairly simple. It is not this one. The Rome Midnight theme okay. with a couple of, of changes. I see, I see. Uh, like hiding the the faces for the sliders and hiding the query titles. Uh, I can go back and edit the query titles, but I don't like seeing those in my, my views. Like for the tasks view, uh, I don't like seeing a couple of lines of query title or the actual query code underneath that i just have the the Uh titles in there so i can break it down into different categories and get more information that i actually want to see on the screen at at one time oh okay yeah i need to mess around with that a lot more because a lot of these css a lot of these available themes are amazing it's just that there are some minor adjustments and i wish i knew css enough to like actually make those uh, instead of (laughs) accidentally deleting one line and all of a sudden everything breaks which can happen maybe maybe not because it's just css it's just it's just appearance right like so it's not really that big it is big of a deal but all of a sudden you can't see anything on the screen yeah (laughs) (laughs) totally no sidebar (laughs) the css actually was part of the reason that i got into rome because i Mm. hated the look of the the stock app when I first started playing with it, but I started playing with it during one of my sabbaticals. One of the things I really love about working with the team at the suite setup is that every eighth week we go on sabbatical. So every eighth week the company is off basically. And during one of those sabbatical weeks was when I decided, okay, I'm finally going to give Rome research a fair shake. And I started putting in some of the sermon notes. I'm like, okay, this will work. And then I basically spent the rest of the week playing with the CSS. <laughs> I've done some web development in the past. Uh, I was never really good at CSS. I actually learned a lot from doing that and actually made a ton of customizations to my actual website based on what I learned from playing around with with Rome. Huh. But I love that it's a web app and you're able to, to do that. You know, you can basically customize it as much as you want. Uh, I've seen some people do some really crazy things with it, but you do got to be careful because they'll push out an upgrade and it's not their fault, but it'll break some stuff. So yeah, they, they can't help it. Like, especially with just how versatile Rome can be. Like we have the Rome CSS, we have Rome JS and we have more and more people adding in like JavaScript or uh, other, you know, new tools and tips and tricks. And we get normalized like our behavior and our workflows get normalized to these extra tools 
And then all of a sudden, mm. a new upgrade just ruins everything. And, and I, I, I got hit with that <laughs> uh, firsthand and it's crazy. Uh, it's insane. So uh, to each their own. It, 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 I like it that it's still, I like it that it's, um, that your graph is a work in progress. And I really do appreciate that you would be willing to share uh, it with me. Uh, hopefully there wasn't anything uh, too personal uh, in there. Nope, we're good. Okay. <laughs> and uh, on that note, uh, we are... Well, we are coming up on time, but there is something I still want to ask you uh, that has been on my mind, mainly because in one of your episodes that I was listening to, uh, you were sharing about... Uh, you, you were sharing about how you discovered a tool, but then you were put off by how people who used uh, the tool Rome Research <laughs> were called uh, Rome Cult. And yes. well, before I ask anything more, could I just ask uh, why? <laughs> uh, I feel like the term cult has a lot of negative connotations mm. with it. I feel like it's unnecessary. And I feel like uh, with my personal belief system um i don't need that being applied to me Ah, okay yeah uh religion is one of those things where every everybody believes what they believe and if somebody else believes something different it's easy to label them as a cult uh, because they see things in a different way Mm. and i've been accused of that i think myself so hashtag rome cult just brought back a bunch of distasteful memories to me but i know from talking to people that other people have been put off by it too um i have talked to several people and convinced several people to use rome and uh, they like me were put off at the the term you know they checked it out for themselves and they're like no i'm not going to do this because i don't want to be part of the the cult (laughs) you know and i'm like no it's actually a really good tool you should give it a shot and okay fine if you say so you know and then they end up end up using it and it kind of makes me makes me sad on one level because um i know that there's more people than just the the handful of people that i've talked to who have felt that way that are this could be the tool that allows them to connect the dots and realize their full potential but they're not going to do it because of the marketing angle to it and i feel like lately the the edge has been gone from a lot of the the stuff that you would find on social media around Rome, but it seemed like they're really leaning into it at the beginning. Uh, and I, I think it's, I don't know. I, I get like, if you are just going to be who you are, you're going to attract some people. You're going to repel some people like the opposite of, uh, of love is not hate. It's indifference. Like if you're going to take a stand for something, you're going to have people who are not uh, aligning with that. I just feel like, the hashtag Rome called is not the the hill to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that's always been a pressing question for me because I'm, I'm not sure if you know the history of that hashtag. Um, it was, I don't. Yeah. And I know that it's the like Rome culture and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Like there's different ways that you can interpret it, but that's not where people go. They yeah, think yeah. the guy who took his followers down to Mexico and made him drink. The yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Because no, no matter what, like the, even the hashtag itself, like just at surface level, it just looks so alarming. Um, and mm-hmm. even even I was like, okay, is this is this just a 
like a fancy way of saying like squad or like a group or like this exclusive thing. Um, and even to the point of tagging everything related to Rome research as Rome cult uh, in the beginning, I was a bit uncomfortable at first. Not not even from any like <laughs> not even from any like you know religious reason or anything like that. It was more like this was pretty fanatical, like very very fanatical yeah. and. I tried the tool and I was like, okay, I'm really obsessed and, and I built the show and everything. And I realized that a lot of people would associate the, the ones the ones who used the the tag Rome cult tend to display or tend to want to display their appreciation for the tool. Hence, they put the hashtag mm-hmm. Rome cult. Nothing to do with the actual word not Rome cult and its connotations or its denotative meaning. Um, but from yep. the outside for any, you know, non Rome user on all of a sudden, when someone tells you like, Hey, if you want to try this tool and then the people centered around it is around this, around this cult, it, it is freaky. It is freaky. And I'm worried about it. Like I'm worried about it because I really want to yeah. advocate for this tool to be shared with a lot of people because it's so versatile. It can carry, it can cater for many use cases and yeah it it can and i can tell you as the guy who wrote the book thou shalt hustle that you're never going to reclaim a word a word means what it means and you're not going to change the definition exactly exactly. (laughs) you're not going to change the definition of cult by saying no come on in the water's fine we got cookies (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's it's a huge thing it's a huge thing and and like we could have we could have done something like simple like hashtag romans like it would have been easier like you'd yeah. still you'd still keep like the branding you'd still keep the you know the banter because like i i have to say i'm at fault for a lot of these things because i'm probably one of the most vocal about rome research uh seeing as how i'm quite active on twitter about this uh but i, I could have just stuck to just hashtag romans like people would have known oh city of rome and all that which is fantastic it's just that the most prominent tag happened to be Rome cult and I'm worried mm. that that the detriment to Rome's growth is because of the activities centered around the tool that are perceived as fanatical like we like what yeah. we're saying or what we're talking about may not hurt anybody or may not you know have any negative like impact or anything like that it's just that because we seem as such that was enough to for us to be mm-hmm. like uh for others to be like uh no and i i would hate that i really would hate that because it is so unfortunate that an amazing tool like rome is just pushed aside because it's freaky yeah, yeah. you know if they would have called us fanatical rome users i'd be okay with that because i mean fanatical everybody's fanatical about something everybody's a fan of of something yeah. but just the term cult just yeah. has a knee jerk negative reaction and I don't think it's really hurt Rome yet. Mm. <laughs> yet. <laughs> but but if uh if they continue to build this identity around Rome cult, I would get uh, I would be worried about it long term. Mm. Uh I feel like it's had some pretty explosive growth because it's a, a fresh take on the interconnection of ideas. Yep. Um kind of what what uh got me thinking down this road it, in the first place was the book, how to read or how to take smart notes by Sanke Aarons. First time I read it a couple of years ago, I'm like, "Mm, this sounds good, but there's no tool that'll let me do this. And I tried some of the ones that he recommended. I'm like, Nope, Nope, (laughs) not going to (laughs) work. And then I reread it 
after I started playing around with Rome, I'm like maybe, you know, this is the thing that finally makes us click. I think, think that it is. But I also think that Rome is having an impact in all of the note-taking apps in the space. Yeah, there it is. Like Workflowy, Dynalist, Drafts. I mean, they're all adding some version of wiki-style linking. A lot of them even bear like bi-directional linking. Uh, and it's all like a different implementation of it. And none of it is exactly the way that Rome does it, which is completely fine. I think that uh, as time goes on there's going to be a lot of people where rome maybe isn't the the best tool because they just want some wiki style linking for their archive notes yeah. you know and in that case maybe what bear ends up being or what workflow ends up being or dynalist ends up being is a, actually a better fit for them so I, I don't know as the market gets more saturated i feel like it's going to be more important to i don't want to say be inclusive that's not really what i'm talking about but uh don't put people off just by word choice, you know, take a stand with like design implementation of certain features and be like, no, if you want text files for everything, then go look at obsidian. Like we're not going to do that. Draw your line in the sand there. Not with the marketing terms that you're going to use. <laughs> yeah. With the features, uh, not the naming, maybe we should retire the word cult uh, sometime in the future. I may have to talk to you. It's my vote. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I totally, totally like, for the sake of trying to grow like its user base and to cater for a lot more people. I need to talk to the Roman teacher team about that like sooner or later because even Connor himself is using uh, Rome cult and I feel like I'm potentially one of the influences there. And and even cool. if, which is, I don't know if that's good or bad or not, but I, I feel like I am. And I feel like my influences <laughs> has been a little bit too much that I'm losing control of uh, the amount of power that I can just keep spamming the Rome cult hashtag everywhere. But uh, to each their own, I will have a chat with them sometime soon to see if we can be, I'm not, like you said, maybe not inclusive is the right word, but welcoming is probably a much better word to describe people who could be future Romans, guys, Romans. Yeah. Rome, not you know, Rome cult, Romans. What's, uh, <laughs> what's interesting is they have these office hour calls mm. for the uh, the true believers, they call them, the people who have dropped a bunch of money, which I have attended some of those calls. And uh, I actually brought this up on one of those calls. Ah. <laughs> like, I don't know if this is the right place to do this, but uh, this is something I've been thinking about. And it was kind of shocking to me how many people who were true believers also had the same experience. Yeah. And what was really cool about that call, there were 50 people on the call, very, very different people, very, very different walks of life, different backgrounds, um, quite a few uh, religious backgrounds, which kind of surprised me. I thought I would be an oddball there, but there's actually like a lot of pastors yes. and priests and clergy who are really uh, intrigued by the the tool of, of Rome research. And so I feel like, the people that are on that true believer cult, they've kind of been able to overcome this already. And the community and the diversity that's there is pretty amazing. It's pretty awesome. Uh, and I just don't think uh, it's, it, it's sad to see uh, anything I think kind of hinder that. Yeah. Uh, I think, especially with all of the, the multiplayer stuff coming and like the, the shared stuff, uh, it's, it's going to be really cool to, to get ideas that are outside of your echo chamber. You know, that's, that's something that I've 
been thinking about a lot lately. I read a book um, called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Uh, yeah. And uh, he's a ex-FBI hostage negotiator. And uh, there's this belief or this mantra, you know, we don't negotiate with terrorists. And his whole book is basically like, that was his job. He had to negotiate with the terrorists. <laughs> Uh, so you don't have the option to just say like, no, I'm not going to listen to you. And I feel like outside of a hostage negotiation, like that's really what's what's missing uh, from a lot of the the turmoil that we see around the world right now is like a an empathy uh, and a an willingness to see things from another point of view. And Chris Voss <laughs> talked about the difference in that book about empathy and sympathy. His job was to express empathy and understand where people were coming from doesn't mean you have to agree with everything that's sympathy you know where you align your ideas and your beliefs with uh, with somebody else no one's really asking anyone to do that but i do think you know the world could benefit from a little bit more empathy and i view like these these uh multiplayer roam graphs like being able to see inside somebody's roam graph and see how their brain works and how they got to the point where they believe what they believe that can only boost empathy in my opinion yeah, and you will have to, especially with the amount of vulnerability that you'd have to display on having multiplayer roam graphs in public to be yep. shared by other people. Um, just having either conversations between you and your team and then having that displayed to everybody or even you and somebody else, the collaborative graph, or like all the possibilities between the relationships of blocks between people who are just viewing or just editing or from the perspective of the author themselves, what is going to happen there? We don't know. Like we are already seeing so much potential <laughs> and value from uh, blocks being referenced, blocks being queried, uh, blocks being, you know, put into pages. And now we can go hypergraphic, which is a word that I would like to encourage people to use. Uh, hypergraphic or at least intergraphic, where we would look at blocks from other graphs like i would love to like if someday uh there is a way to publicize only a part of your graph i would love to like block ref your sermon notes and then refer to them when yeah. thinking about like oh yeah i remember mike talking about faith-based faith -based productivity like let me just block <laughs> ref that and then like quickly just like write down some notes about that that'll be uh fantastic now we are coming up on time mike so i'd love to uh Close off this chat, and I'm sure we can talk another time, uh, with a couple of questions. The first one being, how would you describe Rome to someone who hasn't started using it yet? Mm. That's a good question. <laughs> um, I think if I were describing Rome to somebody uh, because they had asked me about the tool itself or why they should use it instead of something like Evernote, for example, because that's kind of the my frame of reference. That's what people have asked me. I would say that it is not what you are used to for notes. It is not a filing cabinet. It's more like a mind map of your actual mind. <laughs> mind map. And really, like that's what the that's what the graph is, right? Is all those dots and you see how they they connect. So it's a visualization of the connections that exist inside of your brain. I love that. Okay, a mind map of your actual mind. It sounds kind of obvious, but but really, like the, every time that we click on the graph overview, that's us. Like that's our head. Yeah, there it is. That's yep. so cool. <laughs> yeah. Even though I don't click on it that much because it lags, but still, it's just nice to see something so pretty and all these dots that are the 
the accumulative blocks that I've made from all these dots as a result of my observations or my thoughts and all that. So it's fantastic. It is your neural network inside of an app. <laughs> <laughs> That's scary. Putting it like that sounds scary. It yeah. Is. Like I, I, I always think of it as <laughs> I'm making a clone of myself in Rome because I can then visualize it uh, in graph format. But, you know, if your Rome can gain sentience, that's insane. Like, this is the thought of it. Anyway, that's totally off track. But <laughs> if we could get another, uh, like, some sort of AI expert to come on the show to talk about that, that'd be pretty fantastic. And the last question is, what does Rome mean to you? Mm, well, uh, at this point, it's... Uh, I feel like I'm just at the tip of the iceberg in terms of the connections that are are happening but what it means to me is it's hard to put a hard to put into to words um would you rather uh draw it, it, <laughs> <What> it? <laughs> uh, maybe uh it's it's basically like uh, a backup of my brain in one sense with all the sermon notes and all of the the book notes but it's also at the same time kind of like a creative map because I'm able to connect those dots and that inspires new articles, new podcasts, new ideas for things. Cause a lot of what I do for work is I create things. So there's a lot of even work and monetary value associated for me with the ability to make these connections. And I feel like uh, I have been doing that for years with the things that I was doing, taking the mind maps, taking the, the sketch notes, but this is kind of like a force multiplier for that. A force multiplier for my creativity. Nice. I like that. A force multiplier for your creativity. And the more that you draw all of your notes out and the more that you make connections between your book notes, your thoughts, your articles, and everything in between, I hope to see that huge remix of everything put together, this like ultra Rome-based, faith-based productivity book, or maybe not even book, or maybe <laughs> in a different format, but product package thing. I would love to see that. And I will pay big bucks to block ref that into my own graph. So Mike, thank you so much. If we want to contact you or to reach out to you for anything that we talked about in this conversation, what is the best way to do that? Probably Twitter. I am at Bobblehead Joe on Twitter. If you want to see more of the the work that I actually do, a lot of the writing uh, takes place at the sweetsetup.com. And then faith-based productivity is my personal site with some of the sermon sketch notes stuff and links to the other projects. All right. And of course, links to all of these will be in the show notes right below, as well as the public Rome FM graph. Let me just write this down, faith-based productivity. And of course, thank you so much, Mike, and I will see you on Twitter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to the show. Make sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast listening app. And for a full version of the show notes to this episode, you can check out the public Rome graph. The link to that will be in the description right below. For more updates, comments, feedback, and suggestions, you can reach out to me at RomeFM on Twitter. Keep roaming your thoughts, and I will see you in the next episode. Take care. <laughs>